This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be in our coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. You've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights that are about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when, you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep, I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's W. MA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Today, our special guest is the Rob Wallen. Rob, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on, Coach. So, Rob, good to be here. I had a question I was going to ask you to start this off, and then you sent me some very strange text yesterday about something you wanted to talk about that I have literally no idea what you're talking about and how it relates to advanced training. So you said uh, you sent me a, a clip of Tom Brady kind of laughing at how many points the Patriots were going to score, I believe, against the Giants. It was a prediction that was made of how many points the Patriots were actually going to score against the Giants. So why do you want to talk about this during this podcast? Because I'm really confused. Well, I mean, I was, I just happened to be watching it the other night, and I figured you'd appreciate it because uh, what he laughed it off that they're only going to score 17 points, and the defense went out there and you know beat him up a lot, and well, and they only scored 14, and you know everybody took it as a personal challenge, and I figured you'd just appreciate. I it. I do appreciate. Somebody it. Take I'm it, just, take I'm trying it, to link it to uh, taking it as a personal challenge. <laughs> Do you think I was personally challenging you with this podcast? Uh, maybe a little bit, but I mean, we 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 talk a lot of we talk a lot of smack in advanced training, so and then guys rise to the challenge when they're getting talked about. That, okay, so, I see the I see the link there a little bit. Not not a direct link, but I see the link a little bit. No, no. Uh, I I think it also links to another question I was not didn't even have on the list, but you also send out uh a large amount a very interesting slash strange slash sometimes very on the point memes that you make yourself in our, our group chat. Yeah. Where does this, this come from? Where are these thoughts coming from in your head? Uh, honestly, they usually just happen on the fly. And then I'm like, I should probably make that before I forget <laughs> it, you know, and the situation just present themselves. And then I just, you know, roll with it, put a picture and put a caption and, you know, like I like I do it in my like my shore house too in the group chat and they're like this guy only does is make memes. So for for people that so. don't know, we have a group chat for advanced training with about say twenty guys in the group chat. We train, and we I'll say this: we compete every Saturday against each other in teams. There's a lot of trash talking going on all week, and then in the middle of this trash talking, either from one team to the other or commenting on a, a call I blew during the session or how bad of a session I made or whatever the problem was, Wallen will create a meme that either deflates the tension or incites even more tension. And the guys on our crew, sometimes they don't even know how to handle it because they're super angry and they get the meme and they want to laugh and they want to be pissed and they don't know what to do. So this is what I am referring to when it comes to the memes. But now, Wallen, we're going to get to the first actual real question. So in one podcast episode, I was talking about you, and I was actually talking about how much better you've become at what you were doing and how you became a fierce competitor. And I said, this guy used to be a bum. And then I went on singing your praises. After the podcast, you responded back to me about like, why'd you call me a bum? Or am I a bum? Or something like that. Why did that comment eat at you that I said you used to be a bum? I I thought it was well. I can't you can't deny it, right? Because 
I didn't like I came in I've gotten so much better but it was so off the cuff and wasn't it didn't seem rehearsed because he tried to take it back we tried to walk it back and I was like no don't don't walk it back so I thought it was I thought it was funny that's why I was like oh all right that's that's a decent word to describe and bum <laughs> you know so for again for people that don't uh, know uh, Rob wasn't always in advanced training he came in I'd say relatively late to the game most of these guys I trained since they were 17 years old and they've had years and years and years of experience going through these exact techniques. When Rob came in, he was your first ever event with advanced training. Was it during a Thanksgiving or was it before that? No, it was like right before that. It was, I think it's fall 2020 when we did that fall season. In addition to the spring oh, that's season. Right. We did do a fall season. I think right. it, was because, yeah. was it, it was because of COVID. That's right. Yeah. Cause yeah, football wasn't really happening or it was, limited seasons or whatever that was going on that year. So he he was a novice. And it like any novice that comes in, they struggle with the toys, they struggle with the techniques because it doesn't matter what you do in a weight room or if you run the New York City Marathon, all of a sudden you're pushing the low handle on a prowler or sitting on a bucket trying to move a chain. It's just stuff that you don't do every day. And he wasn't very good at what he was doing. And some people would say if I'm going against Wallen, that might be an easy victory, but we've learned in the last two years that that is absolutely not the case. So that's why I, I did say I used to be a bum. I probably should not have said that, Wallen, because I am not a, a sports pundit. I am a, a trainer and a coach. But you absolutely have completely and totally elevated yourself out of that status. So that- I was uh, I was getting ready to make a shirt from from bums to uh, athletes or something <laughs> like that. Then I sent I sent you that. I'm sure one. there's a meme coming too. Yeah, they were, I'm working on so it. So you. It'll, it'll come eventually. You've had quite a long journey with us, maybe not in years, but certainly in your personal development. And along that way, you've been banged up. Some stuff before you came with us, some stuff while you're with mm-hmm. us. Talk us through some of the the injuries or the, the pains that you've had over the last, I don't know, five to ten years that may or may not have impacted your performance at advanced training. Oh yeah, so pre-advanced training, it was ACL meniscus tear. You know, like a lot of people go through it, but it's still still not a guarantee that you're going to come back from it or be the same or anything else. And in addition to that, they found something wrong with my heart right after that, so I had to go in for a surgery for that. So that's in the middle of rehab. You had to like pause your rehab. You had to get that fixed and then kind of go about it. It's still because of that. It probably took about a year for me to get back to where I wanted to be. After being done with PT, being able to cut and run and everything else I wanted to do. And then beginning of this year, I had the, the cyst I had to cut off too. So I missed the first month of our training session or our training sessions. And then you said, I, I wasn't sure you were going to come back that fast and everything else. Now, I got to go back to the uh, the ACL meniscus tear. How did that happen? Uh, I was just wrestling with a friend of mine. You know, went it went the wrong way and felt a big pop. Even though the ACL might have been flag football like a year before because he went in there and said it was like torn maybe halfway, three quarters of the way. And, you know, I had a an injury that it hurt for maybe for a couple of days. And then I was fine the rest of the season. Like it was, I was slow for a couple of weeks, but then it felt all right. Like I was running five miles before I tore my meniscus. And how did you know you had an issue and with your apparently heart? Apparently these, uh, they just found it when F, they, they did an EKG after the surgery because I was in for like an allergic reaction to one of the medicines. And they that's where they found that. So it was kind of just happens that they just happen to find it, which was great because they fixed it, and now I'm 100%. So if it wasn't for all that, they wouldn't have found that problem. Wow. And not nearly as serious, but did you also not have issues with your lower back? Uh, Yeah, no, maybe just being tight and not stretching enough and maybe lifting the wrong way. Like my deadlift technique before was probably terrible looking back, you know, just not not – not doing the uh, movements correctly to keep myself healthy. I, I do remember but. that with the farmer's walk, it was we had times where we were saying ah, maybe we shouldn't do this today, and then sometimes you were just like, "I'm going to do mm. it." And I'm thinking, "I'm like, don't don't do it, don't do it," but you did it anyway. Yeah, that's why that one injury sticks in my head the most. I think of all of them because it was impacting the training you were doing with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was more of like a like I said, just being tight, and there's nothing structurally wrong. It was more just me not taking care of myself. I think. So let's get into your entrance into advanced training. I I coached you in high school football. I kind of knew your brother. He was in the school, but I, I knew you. I knew you well enough as a football player, mm-hmm. but you were not an advanced training guy. What made you decide to join 
in the fall of 2020? Uh, I, it was a, like I, at that time I was training with Sarno at Headstrong, and then I remember my schedule got changed where I was going to work afternoons instead of mornings, and Sarno trained in the afternoon and you trained in the morning. So at that point it was more like it was I wouldn't say it was happenstance, but it was just a something with my schedule where I needed to come in mornings instead of afternoons, and that's how I reached out to you. And I I asked Sarno if he thought I was ready. He said I I was, so I reached out to you. And what were you, what were you doing for a living back then? Uh, I was on the NYC ferry as a captain back then, so it was either you go in at five o'clock in the morning and you're there till three, or you're going at two and you're there till ten, or ten or eleven. So how how did you so know? Either way, I had from training with Sarno. How did you know? You know what? Advanced training, something I want to do. How did you even know the well, ins and outs of what was going on? I mean, like I was listening to the podcast and kind of keeping up on some of the guys that I know or I went to high school with, and. You know, listening to it, I was like, oh, this this sounds pretty good. I'm not sure I'll be able to do it uh, to begin with. You know, I didn't think there wasn't really a point where I was like, oh, I, I can really compete with these guys. It sounded hard, but at the same time, I did, like, I needed that regiment at that time when it came to training and get, making myself better. I needed, I needed a little bit more structure. And how did you start training with Sarno at Headstrong? Uh, let's see. He started he started the headstrong business in the summer of 2020, if I believe. And uh, I just like we like we've been friends for a while. I reached out like reached out to him. I was like, well, I want to keep training. Like he said, like I said, I needed the structure. Maybe someone to teach me a little more. And he was a good friend of mine. I wanted to support him in his business. So it it really all worked out for everybody. Because I was trying, you know, being like a good guy, good a good guy to a guy I wanted to that I played with and I have a lot of respect for. So I, I was like, hey, listen, uh, I'll come train with you. I'd love to come train with you. It was a good move. He, he's an excellent trainer. He's an excellent mm. coach. He's been excellent. He's been a legend at advanced training. And I, I think one of his strengths is being a great connector. And that means connecting the right people. So I, I love the fact that he was even saying, yeah, co- come to advanced training. If your times don't work with me, well, then do those morning sessions with the advanced training guys. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how it happened too. But then I was – like I continued to train a little bit. I'd, I'd like I'd go to bed at what like midnight or one, wake up with him, and then go back and take a nap. And you know, so that that was a tough part about it when I was working those afternoons. And even like some of those sprint sessions, I would come and I'd come home and take a nap again. So. so when you when you first started training with us, what did you find to be the most challenging thing? Was it the, the wake up time? Was it a certain technique? What was it? Uh, let's see. The well, the yeah, the wake up time was tough because I was like my body wasn't in that sleep schedule. But uh, you know, it's just a different way, different tool, a different um toys, different stuff like that. Like I like I wasn't used to like even sliders. I was doing it with Joe, and I still couldn't get them. That's just one example. Uh, like, and a lot of the stuff I was doing at that point was more long drawn out, like hit stuff. Like, like we'd go five six rounds of intense cardio and all these other exercises and this is more of a sprint like you're in that almost like a linebacker in that in the box and you're just going for what two seconds and then you're done so like my body i think my body was more trained to go for the long haul as opposed to that that short sprint um exercise you mentioned the word sliders and i gotta ask Mm -hmm. and i think i know what you're doing but it started in the thanksgiving event when you were the you were the leadoff hitter and the Thanksgiving event works where one guy does a slider, he slaps hands with another guy who does a farmer's walk, and then he slaps hands with another guy who does the prowler, and on and on and on. But you're always the leadoff hitter. And you've had this technique the last few years where you're almost trying to beat me when I start the clock. You almost just fall to the ground and go. So are what are you trying to do there? Are you trying to beat me on that uh, technique? Not not consciously but maybe subconsciously yes but i would say i'm just starting to start fast and keep going fast if you start fast you're gonna go fast through the whole thing so for trying to be violent right right from the get-go get going and keep moving for people that don't know again i'm trying to tailor a little bit of this to the audience that doesn't regularly see or see or hear what we do a slider is a furniture slider you have your feet on the slider and normally my rule of thumb is i start when you start so when that slider crosses the line i go and Rob will literally just like free fall to the ground. And as he's doing so, his feet slide past the line. It's a simultaneous movement. 
where I have to be hyper vigilant to cook, to, to beat the clock, to beat him from beating the clock. Year one, I think he got me, but now I'm ready for him. So I know what's going to happen. But you did something not in the beginning of an event, but it was actually during an event where you, I think you were in a head to head competition with somebody. It might've been part of a tag team, but you ran to the slider and did the same thing. You kind of fell down intentionally and your legs just slid out. Was that something you consciously thought of or was that just dumb luck? Yeah, that was lining up and trying to line up and start at the same time. Like I run in front of it and then go back. I can't remember who – I'm trying to remember who who's told me to do or saw me do it and was like, okay, that's good. Like, like that's it a good Uzi. technique. It might have been – yeah, it was Uzi. Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. He goes, he goes, pay attention to this, and then, then I did it. And he's like, okay, that – he's like, I might start doing that. You know? Did you practice that or that just – you just did it? No, it kind of just happened. It's – like I, like I said, I was trying to, because it, it is awkward sometimes when you run and you get to that slider, and then you you want to get going backwards, but at the same time you have to make sure your feet are on the sliders or you're going to lose them. So this is trying to do both at the same time and try to cut off some time with that. And, and this is a a small detail that most people miss, especially in the tough man on the last leg. It's not about just being great at sliders. It's be it's great being great at getting your feet on the slider, keeping them under your foot, and then be able, able to keep them there the whole time while you're going fast. So I'm glad you touched on that little nuance. Oh, yeah. it's Especially in the tough man when your legs are kind of shot. The last couple of years, by the time you get there, your legs are shot from the prowler and even the, uh, the chain the pole. Scorched earth. Yeah, it's it's been bad the last couple of years. Was there a movement that you used to hate in advanced training that you now love? Uh, I want to say sliders, but I'm going to say chain pull instead. Because I feel like I've gotten stronger and I've learned how to use different muscles. And I think my technique's gotten better, like my hands are faster. That I go hand, like my hand over hand is so much faster than it was when I first got here. What about the farmer's walk? Uh, I still don't. Nah, I don't like it. I mean, it is what it is. I got. I'll, I'll get through it. But I'm not. I don't like it as much as I like the chain pull. And I'm just remembering because of your back, you almost had to be very, very calculated in the way you picked it up. So some guys, they just, they just walk around, they sling it up with one hand, and they run with it. Where you, as you have to legitimately use perfect form and almost sumo deadlift it at times to preserve your back. Am, am I seeing that right, or is that not going through? Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I try to the. The pickup, the technique has to be good because I don't like. I'm I'm almost more scared of getting hurt than I'm actually going to get hurt. So it's more me being mentally like, okay, pick it up perfectly, do your motion, do your movement perfectly, and then and then get it going and figure it out or get through it. So we we talked about you making this long journey in advanced training. You kind of came in. I may or may not have thought you were a bum bum when you started, but there was clearly a moment mm. when you were, were a bum no more to you. When was the moment when you felt like you truly belonged in advanced training? I believe it was winter 2021. We were doing a long, it was a long heavy chain pull and then a slider. So it was like 20, 20 and 20 is a head-to-head challenge. And I was going against Weintraub. And my, you, when you were on the clock, you said the, that was the fastest run through the, uh, the chain out of anybody. And I was like, okay, that's. That's never happened before. I guess you know I'm making progress. It's it's happening. You know, I I still ended up losing. I think I either lost the slider or, or yeah, lost it on one of the, those raised lines or like on the goalie box. But that was the moment where I was like, okay, I I can hang. I can compete. Was this after you had beaten Morechko in a head-to-head challenge? No, I think it was earlier in that year. Okay, then then I then I got to go to my so. next question. What was the most memorable challenge you have ever been in or watched at advanced training? The most memorable or for me personally or overall? Anything you want, man. We Anything you want. I'd say when I first got there, there was there was a final between Sarno and Moresco, and it was a 100 yards uh, prowler. And I was just like, what What are they doing here? This is crazy. Because they were both like dead for the whole workout because we did it before because it was the final. And I was like, this, I'm like, this is nuts. It was a 100 yards there and back yeah that was because i saw these like two guys that are like in very good shape and very good at this and they were like dead for an hour so this was the challenge final it had been postponed for weeks and weeks because there was a lot it was i think it was around the covid year there was a lot of weird things going on people's schedules couldn't line up 
So we had the challenge, as, as Rob said, right before the workout, because I knew when they were done, they weren't going to be able to really do an effective workout. And I didn't want to do it after the workout. And I think what I was doing, I was giving Joe Moretzko the choice of what the challenge could be. He got to choose. That year, I said, okay, Joe, you get to choose what this final is going to be. Because I think, can't remember if I'm right here, I'm going off the top of my head and I should probably just pull up the stats. But I think if if Sarno had won, then there would be another another challenge after that. Or if So anyway, Joe was in this debate with himself because I gave him choices, one of which was a 100-yard slider, which he, at the time, he hated sliders. He he couldn't do them as well as he wanted to. He had lived in fear of the sliders, and I gave him that as an option because I thought it would be sick to have him conquer one of his worst fears. And he thought I was sick to put him in a position to make him conquer one of his worst fears. But also, I thought, what's the lesser of two evils, that or going against Sarno, who was a dude at the, the Prowler? And he cho- he chose the I guess the lesser of two evils and chose that prowler. Now let's go back. Yeah, you got something on. What do you got? Yeah, the, like watching them afterward, like they talk about jelly legs and they're just sitting there, like heads down, like like yeah, I can't, I can't believe they got through that. At that point, I was like, I don't know if I could get through that. You know, at my uh, what what level of fitness I was at at the time. So I thought it was very impressive and memorable. So what's the most memorable challenge you've been in? Uh, probably the one against Moresco that I won, where he just, where we were going around the circle with the prowler, and then the slider through. Because at some point I was just telling myself, you got to finish at least. I mean, that's that's how I came in, you know, just just finish and just compete. But then I see him like slowing down, and I'm like, oh, maybe maybe I'm gonna knock off the one seat here. And then I had to go right into another challenge against Galley right after. So again, given context, we're in the challenge. It's in a a NCAA Sweet 16 bracket style event. Joe Marechko is the number one seed. Wallen, what what seed were you that year? I can't even remember. Probably the maybe the twelve something like so, double digits for sure. That, I I don't I can couldn't you tell the uh, the I couldn't tell you the exact seed, but probably double digits. So he's a double digit seed going against the one seed. The, the year Marechko is having, you think this guy is going to dominate and he's not going to lose anything ever, and all of a sudden. We talked about him not wanting to go use the Prowler against Sarno. He now becomes a legitimate phenom at the Prowler. But he gets into this head-to-head challenge with Wallen. And again, I'm going off the top of my head here where you have to to push the Prowler around the circle of the middle of the field. Imagine halfway. So you push it high handle. You push it back low handle. You come right back to where you started from. And then you're supposed to slider across the middle of the circle. And it's about a 25-yard mm. slider. Well, Marechko, I think he almost died. Like, we couldn't get him off. The- yeah, he had. Uh, I th- I think he went out the night before or something like that. So yes, I think he was. Yeah, he was hurting a little bit for whatever reason. He couldn't finish or didn't want to finish, and then you absolutely kill it. So, to if you're asking me, when did I think you you may put your stamp on advanced training? It was it was then. It was absolutely in that moment for me that I said, this guy has just put the fear of God into everybody else. Yeah, it was in it was in the final four, you know. That that's a big step being in that uh that semifinal semifinal match against Galley. So what about this uh feud or fake feud or battle, whatever you want to call it, rivalry with Armado? Just explain to, to the audience what's going on with you and him and how many times you guys have battled head to head. It's it's funny because the, whatever the bracket or whatever it is keeps putting us against each other, and we were on the same team this year. So, and then and then when we would lose a challenge, the other team would think it was funny just to put us against each other, you know, just just to watch us do it again. So it just kind of keeps happening, and like it's funny because we do get along very well, I think. And but when but when we're there on Saturdays, we always have we always like are competing against each other. Was it been three four times? It's a, it's almost been split down the middle. You know, it's it's a very even matchup too, so that that that's why it works as a rivalry because it's, it's back and forth. And did you guys compete against each other in the playoffs the last two years? I believe, I believe, yeah, this year too. I think he knocked me out this year, and maybe the year before I knocked him out. So it's it's kind of like the uh, the Rangers and the Penguins, the eight years ago, whatever it was, when they were playing each other every year in the playoffs, and it was going back and forth. 
And oddly enough, we are recording this podcast on the Steve Armato's virtual studio. So thank you, Lark Media. Thank you, Steve Armato, because mm-hmm. uh, my technology skills are, are going in a tank right now. So who knows? Maybe he's sabotaging this or listening in for a competitive advantage in 2024. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know. It's It could all just be a scheme. <laughs> so we have freak awards at the end of the year. Fearless, relentless, energized, authentic, and keeper. Last year, you won the Relentless Award. Were you surprised? What did it mean to you to win it? Tell me what you felt when you got that award. Uh, like I, yeah, I was listening to it. I think I was surprised. Yeah, I think I was surprised that, uh, you know, like my peers all voted for me. So I, I guess I, I guess I left a, a, a big stamp on them, which was, you know, important to me. But yeah, but relent because I just kept showing up. You know, as Coach Manos would say, just show up, and that's kind of what just kept happening. And I guess. They appreciated it, so it meant a lot to me to know that my peers, you know, saw my progress and rewarded me for it. Because those are voted on by the rest of the members of Advanced Training. It's not me. It's not me. It's it's your buddies. Yep. No. Nope. And it means a lot coming from the people you sweat with, you bleed with on those cold, cold Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. So now, now let's get into this other part of your life, this newer part of your life. You are now a member of the FDNY. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank what you. made you decide to join the FDNY? Uh, well, my uh, my father was on the job, so that was the the main driving force of it. So you know, you take the test, you see how it goes, and if you get called, it's great. And then you know, you you go through the uh, let's say called battle. You go through all the steps to get on, and you know, you're happy once it happens. So we've had guys before you, part of advanced training, who are now members of the FDNY. None of them continue training with us while they were in the academy what i thought you were gone i thought you said okay i'm in i'm going into the academy i said all right we'll see you when you're at out of uh out of the academy or maybe when you're done being a probie why did you continue training with us well for one i just whenever i start something i try to finish it so i started the season advanced training i wanted to finish it off you know i didn't just want to leave in the middle leave the team high and dry leave the challenges high and dry but um it was recommended to do a little bit of strength training on the weekends, so that I used it as that. You know, get up, stay active, um, try to stay as strong as I was before. Did what we were doing on Maybe that a little, almost like an active recovery kind of thing? Active recovery, more like a yeah. It was brutal. Yeah, it was, but you know, cardio wise, it was a. Uh, I'd say it was more of a recovery. Right, because we're not going five on five mile runs or doing no. calisthenics. Mm-hmm. So, so how did how did For, what we yeah. did on that field in any way, or did it did it help you with what you were doing in the academy? Was there any correlation to what we do with our workout sessions to what's going on in the academy? Uh, the chain pull definitely, just that hand over hand motion of pulling and using using your big muscles. Uh, and sometimes when we do the sled drag or a back pedal, and that that definitely helped strengthen the legs for stuff I had to do there. Um, but yeah, a, a mental part of it too is just, you know, you you can keep pushing past that where you think you can't go. But that's that's the biggest thing I took from our sessions on Saturday there. What about the uh, the puzzles and the, uh, the riddles? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about if that helped, but I, I think that's just something you like to do. Maybe it helped a little bit. I mean, you do have to think on the job, but not... Like we're not putting puzzles together. There's no uh, no no matching cards or anything. So I don't I don't maybe maybe a little. Everything's bit, a puzzle while and you walk into a burning yeah. house. Yeah. You got to figure out your entryway. I don't know. I'm just talking trash here. I'm not really a fireman, but yeah. you got to figure out some puzzles <laughs> how to get in and out, how to look for people, how to get everything secure. It's gonna help mm. you one day. I promise you. I promise you. I hope. I hope. I'll come back on and I'll tell you all about it. So what parts of the academy would you think in your mind would be like throwing paint on the Mona Lisa of my training programs? I would say anything that where where it's more than a sprint. So like when we go on those five mile runs, you're probably you're definitely not a fan of the five mile run of that long extended um exercise. I'm not. Because no, see that's it's the first it's easy enough. The uh, the interval runs we used to do were you'd probably like that, you know it was either 400 meters at a time rest, 200 meters rest, 400 meters. So you you probably enjoy that. I I enjoyed that because it was more of what 
or attuned to what we do at Advanced Training. I don't have it on me, but it's in my little Tribe of Mentors book over there. There was this great trainer who was talking about, you know, who would you rather have running up a staircase in a burning building with all their gear on their back? A guy who won the New York City Marathon and weighs 110 pounds but can run a, I don't know what pace they run, mile, or an Olympic uh, weightlifter who can sprint up those steps with all that gear on his back. He said in his mind, running those five miles just makes for a slower fireman. Probably misquoted that, and I don't, again, I'm not a fireman, but I'm sticking with his theory. So another thing about training is that you borrowed my book, TB12. I'll preface it by saying I used to hate Tom Brady, especially as a Giants fan, until I read this book. And then I realized how much of just a competitor this guy was. And he put himself in really bad situations on purpose to becoming this sick competitor. What made you borrow the book? And what made you, what'd you take from the book? Uh, Let's say like I was watching the man in the arena, the documentary on ESPN, and then they had his trainer on and how he has this different way of thinking uh, compared to other trainers and other guys in the NFL. And I thought maybe I should try that. Maybe it'll get me to another level where I'm not like, you know, my muscles aren't aching, pain, and everything else. So I decided to read the book first before I, you know, invested anything of whether I picked up or bought any of the equipment or anything else. So I read the book, and I, I, there a lot of good points I took out of it. So I decided to get the foam roller and every, and everything else, and try and commit to this thing, and it worked because I feel like I've gotten to another level since I've started, you know, of doing the stretches and the foam rolling and everything else. Can you explain what's so special about the foam roller? It uh well it's it's got the it's got the grooves on it and it vibrates to well, there's four different settings you can do where it's like digging into your muscles and trying to loosen them up and keep them long and pliable. So you're not you don't have those aches and pains anymore. Or you try not to have them. And I'm really paraphrasing parts of the book book here, but his general thought is you need to be pliable in order to be durable. And there was a time where he thought he should have absolutely broken his hand or torn ligaments in his hand, but he was so pliable that his fingers could extend way beyond what I think my fingers can. And it came from the drills that he was doing. And that foam roll... Yeah, his body's his body's more able to take shock than uh, like ours. Like his, He can take more of a beating because of... Yep. And, and I think part of his points were, correct me if I'm wrong here, Rob, was that you don't, you, there's a certain level of strength that you need to get to in the NFL. But beyond that, you could be doing more damage than good. Mm-hmm. So for him, his, his longevity was based more on how do I keep myself healthy than adding another 10 pounds to my back squat. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, like you see him, he's not like this big jack, you know, he's, he's not like the biggest guy out there, but he's definitely the most durable. And he was able to do it for the longest time compared to anybody else. And I know he's a quarterback. He's not a middle linebacker for the for the Ravens. But in, in theory, I do agree with a lot of what he's saying about pliability, mobility. And yeah, there are some times where the effort to get an extra five pounds on your bench is not worth the impact, especially at that level. Does it really matter if you bench 440 or 445? Probably not. Exactly. Because everybody's strong, and you're as strong as them, you know. Because everybody has to be strong to get to that level, so. So we're, we're going to completely change gears here. We are on a podcast. You used to be running a podcast called mm-hmm. the Island Guys Podcast. I was on that said podcast. Mm-hmm. Twice, I think. What happened to that podcast that people want to know? Uh, uh, You know, my brother went to school, and, you know, he— fully committed to that so that's kind of what derailed us him being away and down in carolina and everything else but you know we're, we're working on some stuff now maybe a little rebrand trying to trying to get it going what again. was the uh the general theme of the island guys podcast it was just uh guys from staten island talking about sports you know because we used to have those conversations without the microphone and they were usually pretty good they would go on for you know a half hour or so and then we'd sit there and be like why don't we just put a mic in front of this and see if people like it and you mentioned your brother, Kevin. Uh, he came to a couple of advanced training sessions. In your mind, how can you get him to fully commit to be a member of advanced training? I don't know. Maybe if we give him a goal to put in front of him, something like that. But I don't know. Maybe we just have to keep working on him, I think. Because, I mean, hopefully he'll eventually 
come around. You How hope. many years does he have left in college? Uh, this should be it for him. So he'll be graduating soon. So I think this is when we make our move. After he graduates, yeah. we get him back in, uh, and and we make him a full part of this thing. Mm, yeah, I agree. We should we get him get him in shape. Kevin, if you're listening, get all the fun at your Friday night fun. Get it out of your system right now. Clear up your Saturday mornings. It's going to change your life. There's nothing good going on on a Friday night. Belmar, two o'clock yeah, in the morning. Yeah, trust me. He's gonna. He's definitely gonna say I'm wrong. But there's nothing good going on in DJs yeah. <laughs> on a Friday night in the summer. Do it on Saturday night. Yeah, <laughs> Saturday is always better anyway. Thank you. They both stink. Anyway, I'm no fun. Yeah. I'm no fun. So now we're going to go to another question about – I used to coach you in football. St. Joseph by the Sea High School. Is there a game or a play in sea history that you can take back and why? Uh, a game or a play? I mean, I think the one of the default answers is before my time there with the St. Anthony's, uh, the game they lost where the field goal was missed but it was called good. Maybe if you could take yep. that back and replay it, you know, that that would be one of the biggest wins in the history of the program if you were able to replay that one. You know, Anthony's at home, like C was climbing to their peak at that time. We're already there, you know, but it was before my time. I think two years before my time. What about as a player? Uh, it's a good one. Uh, maybe, maybe the one where I got called for the pass interference, I'd say. Because I knew the route was coming, I saw how they lined up just from all the film we studied and everything else, and I was uh, a beat late. So it would have been a good play if I was a beat, uh, beat quicker. I'm going back to the St. Anthony's one. How did, how did you know or even feel about that? Because I think it was a more than two years. It might have been four years before you were mm-hmm. at least a senior. So you might have been four years behind that crew because it was Steve Armato's class who were seniors. Okay, yeah. So it was more. So. It's it's something that's been passed down in the the lore and the obviously you guys used to talk about it a lot as coaches and we actually watched the film on the way to Kellenberg game the the one we played in the snow up at Hofstra so that was that was how I uh, how I was introduced to it but then again um, I'm very close with Coach Hench's brother's family so I've I heard the stories from him and how they should have beat St Anthony's and how there might have been some funny business going on there and stuff like that so I always heard about it. Yeah, there's always chatter on the island and the football community, so that's made, that's how I was first exposed to it. So the game was televised on Staten Island Live. St. Anthony's, I don't know, they probably like a 90-game winning streak going on. They come to little old St. Joseph by the sea. The place is completely packed. They kick a field goal and miss, and the refs say it's good. They, they miss. They show it back on TV. They clearly miss the field goal. But also to add to the drama, Steve Armato, we've mentioned his name a few times on this, a few times on this. I think it's like third and one or fourth and one from the goal line, and we're winning 35 to 30. They run the ball out of their infamous double tight end, three back T bone set, and they run a, a, what I would call a wham up the middle. And Armato not only makes a tackle, but forces a fumble and recovers it. And then they give them a touchdown on it, also on TV. So not only the field goal, but the stopped touchdown. So now I wasn't thinking about this until you said it. I thought you were going to talk about your game against St. Anthony's. Maybe that fake punt killed us in the playoff. Yeah, that too. That's a big one. But uh, thank you for bringing up the other one because now I'm sick to my stomach again. Yeah. What was it, like a fourth and 12, the fake punt? So, you know. Guess we weren't expecting it, but yeah, I think I think Coach Clark had a pretty good plan in for it, and we just didn't. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to blame kids or say name names, but I think Coach Clark was expecting it because he is an unbelievable coach. We just did not execute mm-hmm. our our fake checks on that play, and I, I do believe that was a massive turning point because they did score their first series, they did not score their second series. I don't think they scored their third series. We were shutting down that triple option, and then they ran that fake punt, and that was the end of it. Yeah, pretty much. It was, yeah. I feel like that was a that was you know the thing that gave them uh, momentum. But all right, Rob, we're gonna go to some rapid fire questions. It does not mean that you need to answer them in one word. It just means I'm gonna ask them fast, and you're gonna okay. answer them fast. Are you ready? All right. Question number one. Yes. 
when you think of success in advanced training, and it can't be you, who's the first person that comes to mind? All right. Uh, success, Jimmy Uske, just because you know he's not the biggest guy out there, but he is one of the best competitors. So it just shows that anybody can compete with us. Doesn't you don't you don't have to be six foot four and benching four hundred pounds. And he will remind you that he used to be the only two time challenge champion in advanced training until this year when Weintraub won it for the second time. But yes, he in my mind he is a success in advanced training. Question two: What is the worst training advice you have ever gotten? Or heard given? Oh, that's it. Was probably me when I was, uh, I'd say maybe my freshman, sophomore year of college, when my workouts would be like two hours long, and I'd be in there doing every exercise possible, or I'd be coupling chest day with leg day, and you know, I would be in there for way too long, and I was probably doing more more damage than than good. Question. And then I'd run after it was, it wasn't, it wasn't good. If I ever gave you advice during that time, I was definitely wrong. <laughs> Question three, if you had to have a tag team partner all year in advanced training for the challenge, who would it be? Uh, I'm going to go with Sarno. And Trainer. You and Sarno. Hell of a and competitor. Then what, who, were the, who would be your tag team rivalry? Probably Moresco and Armato. Wow, I like that. A lot. Because me versus Armato, him versus Moresco. There's a lot of storylines. Yeah, that's that. pretty sick. A lot of memes, Well too. done. Well done. Question mm-hmm. number four. What advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? Uh, don't maybe don't don't go crazy with you know don't don't go crazy trying to put up big weight. Become more functionally strong. Train train for what you're gonna do. So like you throwing up 275 on a 300 at the squat at that time isn't. It might not help you as much as you think it think it is at the time. Question five: What failure in your life, inside or outside of training? actually led to a huge success uh i'd say the uh, the running you know trying to get my those those mile and a half times down that i needed to i think the first time i went out there and ran it i was at like a 14 i wasn't running as much like running at all and that really gave me the um the the bar which i needed to get to and how i needed to train to get that time lower to get more like i said functionally strong for what we're doing because when they're like you're out there doing calisthenics and everything else it's it is just a different type of strength like you're a different type of sore you're using different muscles as opposed to just being in the gym and lifting weights so incorporating because of that fair i incorporated more calisthenics more running more uh, stuff like that to get where i need to be we're going to take a pause from these rapid fire questions for a second because i want to dive into the running i remember you and i we're having some relatively deep conversations about how to prepare for that mile and a half run, right? You, you have to hit the mile and a half run for the FDMY. Am I, am I correct in a certain amount of time, like 12 minutes? Uh, yeah, 12 minutes. 12 minutes. And I, I know that I am a big advocate. Well, I'll tell you what I think most people do wrong. They go out and they run 12 miles, and then every day they try and run – sorry, they run 12 – they run a mile and a half, and they try and get in 12 minutes – and then every day they try and go and just run that a little faster. So they always start at a mile and a half, and they try and run that a little faster. Or maybe they'll try and run three miles and say, well, because I can run three miles, now I'll be able to run a mile and a half faster. So my prescription with anyone and everyone that I train for things like this, any academy, is no. We're going to do the exact opposite. I want you to get fast first, and then we'll incorporate the distance. So I want you to be able to run a good 10-yard dash, a good 20-yard dash, And then we're going to break your test up into quarters of a mile. We're going to have you maybe run a mile and a half, but I'm going to break that up into six quarters of a mile. And you're going to run those at a certain pace because if you can't hit a quarter of a mile in the pace you need for a mile and a half, well, then it's never going to happen if you run three miles. So you and I have talked through this. Here is my question for you post-academy. One, did our conversations help? And two... How would you take what you've learned now to guide another young guy in our group, Nick Colombo, as he's training for the academy? Uh, I definitely think it works because you, your body feels the pace it needs to get to. You know, like you, you're mentally saying, "Okay, I need to run this quarter mile in less than two minutes." Doesn't uh, maybe you you could like um, intimidate yourself because I have to do this six times in a row, but you get through one. You get through two, 
you get through three, and then you're like, okay, I can do this. So it helps you mentally, not just physically, when you do it, when you break it up like that. I like. I didn't even I think, think of I the mental doing, aspect. I, I was like doing. It. Yeah, I was doing it at like before, like when I first started the interval training. I was doing maybe I would do that eight times. I would do eight eight quarter miles in a row and try to keep the pace down. So at the same time as getting the speed up, I'm doing a little extra conditioning too. And I, I got to say, I love the conversations that I hear you and Columbo have been having after our training sessions because he's trying to get into the academy at the time you were in it. And then also we had Maggio who was – he was out of the academy, but he was still a, a probie. It was just great to see almost three, for lack of a better word, generations of guys. One guy who was a probie, probie one guy who was in the academy, one guy trying to get into the academy, all trying to – help each other and dissect the ins and outs of pre- preparation for the academy and then being in the academy itself. Yeah, it's you definitely you get like you try to take as much experience from other guys as you can. You know, how 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 do you how did you recover? How did you like did you sleep well? Did you do this? Did you eat right? So definitely you got you got to take as much information as you can and formulate your own your own your own plan, you know. And I love that all three of you are willing to listen and learn. It's not like I know it, I know. No, it's everybody. What do you What do you think? And, and I love that growth mindset between the three. Of you. Yeah, he, he, he's he's got a lot of good resources. So we're going back to rapid between fire us. questions. Are you ready? Yep. Actually, this is the the last rapid fire question. If you could put anything on a billboard, hopefully on the West Shore Expressway, what would it say? I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll go back to the Mantles and just say, just show up, because that's the hardest part sometimes is getting out of bed and getting where you need to go. Because once you're there, you're there, you know. And that and that goes for anything. It's not just working out. It's not just, you know, it's not just going to work. It's literally anything you do is just, sometimes the hardest part is just getting there. Does that is that especially true for the Saturday morning workouts? Yes, uh, absolutely. Because you got guys that are. Roll, some guys roll back over. Uh, sometimes it's too cold, but once you're there, you're there, and you and you got to make the best of it because you're forcing yourself to make the best. Do of it. you think being put on the soft list is worse than being called a bump? Probably, because I I think being on the soft list sometimes is a choice. <laughs> you know, so when you first show up, you're not you're not going to be good at these things. It's kind of expected, but. Soft list is you decided. Not I to love show that, up. man. The soft list is a choice. You chose to roll back over and put those covers over your head. You chose to be soft. I like that, Wallen. I like it. I like it. You chose to. I hate. I love when guys say, "Oh, my alarm didn't go off." Well, maybe you chose not to set that alarm the right way, or maybe you chose not to have a backup alarm. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> you chose to be soft. All right, last so, question. Not a rapid-fire question, but always my canned, selfish last question that I ask everyone. What is something that you can teach me or share with me on how to remove clutter from my life or simplify things in my life? Well, it's probably something you already do, but it's something that I that I have learned to do is, let's say, if, let's say if I'm going to work or wherever I'm going the next day, especially if I'm getting up early, I like to make sure everything's in my bag. I check before I go to bed so I can get up and just go. It's right out the door. There's no, uh, you know, running around in the morning, making sure you have this, making sure you have that. You do it before you, before you go to sleep. It helps. It helps you peace of mind getting to sleep because you're not worrying about it. And then in the morning when you're groggy and you're not, and you're not sure what's going on, you're just out the door in the car where you need to go. Do you do that for advanced so training I, too? Uh, yeah. I usually have my cleats in one spot, like right next to the door. Cleats, water bottles, all ready to go. I like it. I so, so I pick up the clothes the night before. Sometimes make sure they're in a special like one spot where I see them, and I just throw them on and go. I, as I do do it, like you said. But one thing I never thought about was the mental clarity it gives you. It's like ah, now I don't need to wake up and think about where's the stopwatch, where's the clipboard, where's that box of element that I owe somebody. You, you're right. It it helps you sleep better because now it's not on my mind to remember it for the next day. You're not laying there going, oh, did did I? Am I going to remember this? Where did I put that? No, you know where it is before you're even in bed. I like it. I love it. I love it. You, you threw out some uh, some some great ones today. I, that that soft list being a choice that that is that is it's in my soul right now. I love it. 
So for all, yeah. all you people that don't know, Stick I give out soft points for people that miss a workout, that are late to a workout, and we post it on our website. But you're 100% right. It's a choice. You've chosen to be soft. Most of the time, it's a choice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, mo- most of the time, it's a choice. So Yeah. I don't know when it's not. If, if somebody like Maggio, he he wasn't soft. He came late. He came walking out of the woods. He had a, a flat tire. All right. He didn't. You oh, didn't yeah. get a soft point. If you have a life issue, I'm not giving you a soft point. You should actually, it should actually go the other way since he, like, he, would he walk, he walked from where his car was, so. I'll give him a hard point. Through the woods and get, yeah, that's, that's just dedication. Yeah, I, I don't know while and when it's not a choice. I'm, I, if someone has a legit life issue, I'm not giving them a soft point. But. It's true, so. When you're soft, you're getting one. That's it. Yeah. All right, Rob, we've went through every question that I wanted to ask. Is there anything that we did not cover that you feel the advanced training audience need, absolutely needs to hear? I don't I don't think so. I think we, we went through pretty well. We got through everything that I think we wanted to get through. Uh yeah, no, I don't I don't think I got anything else. All right, man. Hopefully we will see you at the Thanksgiving tag team tough man. If not, I'm looking forward to a sick twenty twenty four. Yeah, hopefully Team uh, 2012 will show out like we usually do. That's right. And our motto, get ready, brother. You heard it here. He's looking to, to, to end this rivalry in 2024 and put his stamp on this thing. All right, Rob. Thank you. Awesome podcast. Thank you, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lark Media. Did you ever feel like you had a message that the whole world absolutely needed to hear? You take it, you package it, you bundle it, you send it out there, and then boom, no response. Well, if that's you, don't be disappointed. It might not be that your message is bad. It might be that you're not delivering it the right way. And this is where our friends over at Lark Media can help. These guys are masters of marketing. They've done things for advanced training where they've come in. They've taken documentaries of our work, and they not only captured what it looks like, but they captured what it feels like to be a part of what we do. They've also made motion graphics that we use before and after our YouTube videos. If you need help, please contact Steve at LarkMediaNYC.com. Again, that's Steve at Lark, L-A-R-K, MediaNYC.com. Tell them that Advanced Trading sent you, and they'll take 10% off.